you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Christian Raber. He's from WPChill.com. WPChill has many products, including strong testimonials, uh, download monitor, KB support, which is a knowledge-based plugin, and WP Modula, which is a image carousel plugin. But before we get into all that, welcome to the show, Christian. Thank you for having me. This is my first time ever on a podcast. So That's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, I, there's been a lot of first people's podcasts on this show, LMS cast. For example, um, Sujay over at Brainstorm Force did his first podcast appearance on the LMS cast podcast. And the cool thing about that is the WordPress community is really special. It's big. It's distributed. And people are all over the place. And, um, you know, we're kind of professional online workers and remote business operators. We have customers all over the wor- world in, in most cases, and even as agencies and stuff like that. But I wanted to dig into your WordPress story a little bit. Um, I became a WordPress product guy out of an agency and it was extremely painful. Uh, that, our product, my product story started seven years ago. But what about you? What is the, what is your kind of WordPress or origin story? And for those of you listening, we're recording this in uh, the early summer of 2021. So, how did you get started with WordPress? So, I started off with WordPress. I think ten or eleven years ago. Well, I personally started with WordPress back way back when. Uh, WP Beginner was just a small blog, it wasn't the authority it is today. And I started off with WordPress initially by building small websites that I got ranked on Google and monetized through Google's AdSense. I think I was like 14 or 15 back then. So I, was it was it kind of like the make money online? Like I'm going to like figure of, out an yeah. online business? And, yeah, sort um, of. I used to have a blog as well. Uh, I didn't maintain it, so the domain expired because I was still a young kid. And well, being from Romania, from Europe, it was super profit. It was super hard for us to to actually make money online. People didn't arrive into Romania until I think maybe 2015, something like that. It's not not such a long time since we can accept PayPal payments. Still have like. 10 PayPal accounts with money locked into it because I was hoping that someday I'd be able to take that money out of it. Never happened. And I think I I, I fell in love with uh, WordPress because of its ease of use, even though I was, was a kid back then. And I struggled with understanding code because back then, building a theme was not what it is today was way much harder to, to build even a simple theme. And it required to understand so many uh, different components, CSS, HTML, and they weren't as documented as they are today. Right now, you can go on YouTube, uh, pull up a search on how to do CSS in WordPress, and you'll find like 10,000 uh, people explaining it to you exactly how to do it. And I think I, I continued using WordPress. I, I had a technology blog at some point, 
that was a fun thing to do. We got into the game of acquiring users via uh, websites such as Dig or StumbleUpon, so viral sites, basically. And I sold that one off. I think that was my biggest um, money I made online at that age. I think I sold it for 20K or something like that. That's pretty good. 20, well, for a 21 year old, it was amazing. It, felt it is like, amazing. Yeah. It felt like two million, two million, not like 10K. <laughs> yeah. And and naturally, I just I knew at that point I knew SEO and I understood content marketing. And I started off with a dream of building my own small agency, local agency that focuses on more person helps clients and we started off with the idea of offering um, marketing support marketing services actually so that was seo uh, adwords facebook ads content these kinds of things we struggled to find clients locally in this space yeah yeah it was insane so what we did find though was clients who wanted to have websites built for them so one month we weren't able to make um, rent for our space, but we we had like two or three clients lined up for uh, development work. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to teach myself web development. I'm going to start doing it. That's how I learned how to do web development for WordPress, starting with themes, custom themes. They were not the best themes. By today's standards, they were not. They were not good products, but they get the job done. And five years in into this space, we were making decent money. But as you probably know, dealing with uh, clients on a, on, a, on a monthly basis is, is super painful. And we realized that at that point that we have to get into building a product. We didn't know what product to do. What year is this? Are we at right here in the story? Uh, I think we're at maybe 2015, 2016. Now. Okay. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, a theme a theme that used to be super popular, like maybe three or four years ago. Uh, it's called Zerif. I've heard, Zerif of, it. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when Zerif was hitting the WordPress repository and making a lot of money, we were, we I built a product. And a theme? Just... A theme, yeah. A theme that was going stronger than Zerif. And Zerif, Zerif, for those of you listening, you're saying Zerif had a free version on the WordPress repository and then a free model. Yeah. 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 Which we follow the same model, obviously. And what was funny is that I thought I knew theme development inside out. I was building themes for like five years. I thought I knew it. I remember to this day that during the waiting period I had before when I submitted my theme and up until it was approved and the WordPress repository, I submitted another 63 updates because that's how many issues I can I could spot in my code. That's how many things. Right. Yeah, that's how many things were wrong according to the WordPress guidelines. Once it got approved into the WordPress repository, we made serious money starting off on day one. I think first month was like 15k and on your first it, month yeah wow yeah. That's, that's we amazing. didn't what's funny is that we weren't expecting anything like this we weren't we weren't prepared for anything like this 
I was the only person doing everything I was doing. I was handling updates. I was handling feature requests. I was handling support. I was, hi I was hiring. I was doing everything myself. It was crazy. It was uh, super difficult at that point. And we just thought we'd made it. We were looking at the stats and we were, we'd go, well, this is it. We've made it. It was climbing above Zerif. And this, I think, lasted for about three or four months. Every month, we'd, we'd see even better sales, better sales. It was amazing. And after four months, the WordPress team decided to change the way they rank themes on the popular page. It was where we were ranking and where we were getting most of our traffic from. And they made a switch that simply took us down in a second. So they made the switch overnight. And took overnight, you to second or took you second place or like off? No, the, they, off. The, yeah. the, the, they took us in a second. They took us off the grid. Our product was nowhere to be found. I think we went from ranking top 10 to ranking like top 100 top at, at the bottom. And over, overnight, our income dropped as well. So if you can picture uh, those hockey stick figures you see for SaaS is going up, 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 and yeah. then down, plateau, dead. Uh, by that time, we had already managed to hire like four people. We, we weren't able to predict something like this. I mean, no one could see it coming. There was no talk about changing the way they rank things. And for the next two and a half years, I think we struggled again to just be able to pay the bills. We tried a lot of products. None were too successful, unfortunately. And after about two and a half years, there was this huge race to the bottom for themes, right? Price of themes. Every new player who entered the market was offering more for less. It was impossible yeah. to compete. We have these, uh, there's certain countries that facilitate a lower price point because the average cost of living there is so much lower than ours. So they could get by with, let's say, 20% of what we were doing and still still think that they're making good money. And to the client's eyes, all themes were equal at that point in time, especially when you'd have a theme that offers like 50 layouts and we're just offering like the ones. It's hard to justify the value. It was like and a themes arms race. I remember this time period. And were you... Yeah. Uh, were you on, uh, I mean, you're on the WordPress repository. Are you also doing Theme Forest? We tried Theme Forest at some point. It, I, I don't like it for a lot of reasons. Uh, one was lock-in. Yeah. And second was the fact that you never get got a, access to uh, client data. You could never yeah. see who bought it. Uh, you could never announce uh, new releases. It was super locked-in and the fee they took didn't play well with me. It was just super competitive. And I think Avada already hit the market. So again, it was impossible to compete with uh, first place. And about after about two and a half years of doing themes and struggling with it, I decided it's time to shift to plugins. We spent all this time learning so much about themes. We built crazy amount of frameworks and code. We built the first page builder on top of WordPress Customizer. I don't know if you still remember the Customizer or if you still use it. We built a page builder on top of it. Wow. It's, yeah, yeah, it was crazy to, to, to get it done. We built an entire framework. We had an on onboarding wizard. We, we did it all. And we still weren't able to compete. Uh, Asterisk was coming to market. 
Ocean WP was hitting the market, Elementor was gaining ground. It was becoming diff- more and more difficult. And I said, well, this is not a race I want to be in. And we just switched to plugins. WP Modular, which was our first uh, plugin acquisition, I think, we acquired it for, I think, 10K. It was making about $400 a month. And I acquired it and I just let it sit for one and a half years because I didn't know what to do with it. Is it, uh, was it. Did the developer that originally had it, did they come and work for you at all? Or they? it was just a straight no. handoff? You got the plug, you just took over? Handoff, yeah. Right. Entire handoff, yeah. So after a huge um, up, we, we hit the WordPress team, the parser, you made a lot of money in four months. We had two years of huge down where we spent all the money we made in those four months, as well as anything else we were making monthly just to be able to keep our employees so we wouldn't have to fire anyone. And then we spent everything we, all the profit we saved in one year, we spent to acquire WP Modular. And yeah. we just looked at it and we didn't know what to do with it. All our knowledge was in theme. And I think I realized at some point that we can get ahead by launching a certain feature that no one else has, which is what we call the custom grid. It's this feature that allows you to uh, freely resize images. So you can take the image and drag it by its corner and resize it any way you want straight into your uh, plugins backend. And this allows you to create uh, galleries with multiple image ratios sitting next to each other. So it creates some sort of masonry, but with um, a layout you define by dragging images. So this fixed the problem for many photographers and it allowed us, allowed us to carve out a small space for us in the photography niche, because as you probably know, the big competition is next-gen gallery, uh, Envira gallery, Foo gallery. These guys have been there for way, way b- before us. And normally when users uh, think of galleries, they just say, well, use next-gen because that's, that's what they've been using for 10 years. It's right. kind of legacy that we have to fight. It's this uh, uphill battle, which is insanely difficult. They've had way more time on the market. They they have way more experience than us with this audience. They've they have the deals in place. They have the team. They have everything. And so, how did you it. how did you differentiate with well, the custom grid? It, that's one of the features that help us differentiate. Yeah, another one is the automatic image optimization and CDN unlimited CDN we offer to any of our paying users. And just so, to clarify here, this is one of my, it's not really a pet peeve. I just hate seeing people do it where they're building an LMS site, which is already a complex site. And then they start uploading these giant images, which gives you a big performance hit. Are you saying that this plugin just automatically protects the user from themselves of like uh, putting way too heavy images on us on a webpage? That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, that's that's okay. pretty much what it does, and it doesn't <laughs> sacrifice quality either because uh, well, we're not handling the, the the image optimization ourselves. We're relying on a third party solution, which is Short Pixel, and they've got a great API. We just leverage that, and I think it's pre tweaked as well for our photography use cases, so it doesn't affect image quality. 
Which is super important yeah. to photographers. Which is pretty, yeah, yeah. So you're basically getting super fast flowing images without sacrificing quality, which is what we all want in the end. And after short pixels done with the image, we just push that to a CDN, super fast CDN powered by a stack path. And yeah, it's pretty much how it works. And where we've been able to um, innovate is offering a lot more customization options. So we have a lot of customization options for our clients, and this allows you to create the, a really unique layout for your uh, portfolio. This was, again, one of the bigger problems in the market. Any solution you'd go with, you'd end up with pretty much the same result. You'd just be changing brands. That's cool. That's cool. And during this time, are you still running the agency or have you made the pivot to product 100%? If I were still running the agency, I think I'd be looking like, 20 years older than I, I look today. Well, that's so, why that's why that's why I'm curious because themes are very different from plug-in businesses and then very, yeah. uh, agency life. There's only so many horses you can ride at once. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, totally. No, no, it, it would have been impossible to also run the agency as um, something on the side. We're 100% focused on plugins right now. Uh, we still maintain two uh, two theme shops. From back in the day, we still offer updates and support for those clients who want to continue using those themes. But every year we see the number of new sales go down and down, and it's normal because there's so, so many better offerings right now on the market than what we did there for themes when we did it like five years ago. It's not Those themes are, aren't competitive anymore. But uh, luckily, our plugins are doing well, and that's where I like spending most of my time anyway. Um, so, yeah. That's that's the story. Uh, it has lows and highs. Right now, we're somewhere in the middle. We don't know what's going to come. Well, before we before we talk about your other products, I'm curious. I I'm also a big fan of like freemium and yeah. WordPress as a community, but also WordPress as a distribution model. And in some ways, what makes WordPress strong is the contributions that companies like yours and mine make to the free tools that people can use completely for free all around the world. It's amazing. Yeah. But, but what's your advice to somebody who's exploring the freemium model, you know, specifically, I get, and, and if you're watching this or listening, like maybe you might, maybe you're not making software, but there's probably some lessons in here. What, what have you learned about freemium like to do, and then maybe not to do? Sure, sure. Uh, before I tell people about this, I want to mention that our products are currently being used by about half a million active, active users, have been downloaded more than 6 million times. So it's a bit of uh, usage there. So my first advice to anyone who's looking to get into the freemium model is don't. Don't do the freemium model. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is my personal advice after so many years. I mean, it's not a broken model. It's just... Well, it sounds like in your story with the theme, like you did it and it was working and then it got shut and, off, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's still working. Uh, what I see a big problem now is that the freemium model is being turned upside down by big hosting companies who are stepping into the market. They're willing to lose the sale on the freemium product as long as they get you on a, as a client on their hosting packages, right? What do you so, mean by that? 
like I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll dig deeper into it just, <laughs> okay. just a sec. So for example, imagine someone from a hosting company, I'm, I won't name them, but just think of a big hosting company in the WordPress space, just steps into the, let's say, speed optimization game. So right now, image optimization, right, is a huge part of the whole process of uh, speed optimization for your website. And they suddenly decide to say, well, these guys are charging you money for, um, be it short pixel or Imageify or whatever plugin that does image optimization you want to think of. Uh, these guys are charging you for, for a thousand images. They're charging you, I don't know how much money they are, but I'm giving you away for free. I'm also going to give you free CDN. I'm also give you uh, an endpoint you can leverage to uh, minimize CSS, JavaScript, uh, merge those together and whatnot. So what you have to do though, is to come onto my hosting company, come come host your site with us. And this might this this seems like a super good deal. I mean, you're already paying for hosting. They've they've matched the price. You're not asking for anything on top of this. And you simply can do it. So they're losing the potential sale on the product on the freemium model, but they're getting a long time customer on their uh, hosting package, which has a way more a way better rate of sickness because once you've, you're in a hosting it's super hard to, to switch away from it but with a plugin you always have options you can switch away from it so this is why i think the freemium model is no longer a viable option unless you either create uh, a product that will it, it's it's a hard balance to to create a product that's usable in the free version not crippled, not scoped, but also uh, incentivize the incentivizes the user to actually upgrade. That's that's hard balance to strike. And I think I read something about three or four years ago. It was published by something someone from Automatic that read something along the lines of um, your plugin has now been accepted in the WordPress repository. I feel sorry for you. And I couldn't understand what they were trying to say at that point. And I think now I understand a lot better why, why that happens. The, the expectations of free users are equal to the expectations of paying users. If they get a plugin for free, they don't expect it to come with no strings attached. Like you don't download a free product and yeah, your hands off, you can say to the, to the user, well, it's free. We can't offer support, we can't offer updates. You have to do that. It's expected of you to do that. That costs money. A good example of this is uh, Yoast, who has been scaling up his theme for years because... Plugin or theme? Plugin, plugin, the Yoast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the team, the team, the people behind Oh, oh the it. team, team. Gotcha. The team, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, the team behind it. So they're a good example of this because they've been scaling their, their team for such a long time because they can't offer the same um, level of support and... Uh, features for the free users that they want to offer for the paid users. Basically, they're trying to offer the same service for anyone. They don't care if it's paying users, if it's not paying user. So yeah, my advice, freemium model. Don't do it right now. Uh, Isn't the distribution good though? Like, I mean, I started as a free Yoast user and then I've been paying Yoast for many, yep. many years now. Right? Yep, yep. But you always had like 10 years to finesse that process <laughs> yeah. to get you to 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 pay right right yeah um and yours has like it's, and they're huge it's similar, 
yeah and similar to to the next gen story i i said earlier uh everyone who talks about um, seo and wordpress instinctively thinks of yoast seo because oh i, th- I think i've heard this called the kingmaker problem like if you yeah, were there early yeah, yeah. It's, that's the one that's the thing yeah right yeah, yeah that's the thing yeah yeah exactly because you know how word of mouth functions so if you're happy with your so you're going to recommend it to me going to recommend it to your friends and i'm, I'm going to go look for another solution i i trust you and i'm going to use what you use and then i'm going to end up paying as well so um i think the better way to do this in the space right now is start off with premium from the get-go don't build a free version you don't you have to maintain and support and just build a, f- a, a paid version for your product. This is the, what WP Rocket has done. Um, I think I can think of others who've done this. Gravity Forms does this, has been doing this for like 10 years or more, and they've yeah. been hugely successful with their product approach. No one's complaining, well, it's I don't have a free version, so I can test it out. Um, yeah, so this is, this is my advice to anyone who wants to start out right now. Don't start with the freemium model unless you set your proper expectations because the market's been um crowded has been crowding uh, uh, i'm lacking the proper term here there's a lot more competition on the market right now for plugins for anything you want than it used to be like three or four years ago four years ago i'd have a different advice but now there's a lot of uh, a lot of people stepping into these markets and if you don't have an acquisition channel that's outside of wordpress.org allows you to build active installs so you can climb the the um, rankings of wordpress.org for search terms then you almost don't set a chance to have your product ranked and that simply eliminates the the um, distribution the wordpress repository can actually provide in this particular case so there might be some just inequality there of like fairness kind of thing, right? Uh, I think I, I think it's still a good option. Yeah. But don't use it as your main distribution channel because this is the thing that most people I think get wrong today. It used to be true like five or six years ago. WordPress.org was a great distribution channel. It allowed your product to be discovered. Now, since you're competing with so for, let's let's take a quick example. If you search for image gallery on uh, WordPress.org. I think you're going to get at least 50 pages of results. 50? 50, yeah. That's how competitive it is. Because anyone thinks building an image gallery is easy. I think this is the most difficult product we had to build. All of our, all <laughs> yeah. of our product lineups we have, yeah. this one's the most difficult one. If anyone thinks um, images on a website are easy, I think the most one of the most difficult things to do. Get right. Well, you can do it, but you also have to do it right. Um, and the final step, the final advice I'd give to anyone who's willing to step into, looking to step into this market, uh, try to de- de-anonymize users as quickly as possible. It's Figure the out pain. who they are. Yeah. yeah that's build, the other build your point. audience or your community and so on. Yeah, yeah. That's the other big, biggest pain point the female model has, which you don't have access to how your clients how your users are actually using your product. So it's impossible to make informed decisions on what feature they use, what they don't like, how much time they spend on, on doing certain actions. 
So try to figure out a way to do this as quickly as possible and learn as much as possible, because otherwise you're going to iterate on your own ideas. You're going to just look at it and say, I think this is going to be a good idea. I think we've done this like 50 times in the past. I think we only got it right like 10 times out of 50. So that's, that's a good a lesson. That's, that's a really good lesson. One of, one of the things that makes great products is having feedback loops with your users. And it is harder yeah. in WordPress. It's not a walled garden and the software goes out into the world. It's harder to get that feedback loop, but it, that's cool. Um, before we talk about some of your other products, do you have any, since you have a history in themes, any kind of ideas about the future of themes or how people should think about where that's going or you're not, you're more of a plugin guy now and you're not really in it? Well, I have ideas in a lot of places. That's that's probably one of my biggest problems. I have too many <laughs> ideas. Um, yeah. Like, uh, let me let me put it to you this way. Like, I one of the things I say to people when, especially a new WordPress user, like I help a lot of people get into WordPress for the first time. Like, they're they're they want to build a course, they want to train their employees, they want to provide a remote learning search solution for their school. Uh, so I often have to like teach people the words of WordPress. And I, one of the things just for beginners, I say is that themes are just for design plugins are for functionality, but there's some nuance to that. I can see, I can see there's a lot of nuance to that. Yeah. Like where are themes going, especially in page builder, Gutenberg, full site editing, like where are we headed here? Uh, I think going forward, we're going to have at least two big audiences. One of them is going to be light and focused on Gutenberg designs. And this is going to facilitate a new type of designer who only has to uh, deal with minimal CSS and JavaScript and uh, HTML because the new way of building full site editing experience that's coming into Gutenberg makes it so much easier than working with, let's say, Elementor or Beaver Builder or any other uh, of the other uh, bigger players out there. And I still, I still think we're gonna have the, uh, at least for the time being, and probably a few years going forward, the audience of Elementor and Beaver Builder and Vivi uh, and all the other ones because they've already bought into this ecosystem and it's hard to justify um, moving out of it. Yeah. yeah, you've trained your clients, you've trained your uh, employees, it's hard to move quickly out of it. Um, but I think going forward. Even though I'm, I, I I still have a love hate relationship with Gutenberg. Sometimes I go at it and say, "Wow, this is amazing!" And sometimes it gets so much in my way that I hate it. And I think to myself, "Well, it's so much easier before when we had a classic editor and you just wrote code in it, because it was easier for me to just use code since I used to code as well." Um, I, I think going forward. Gutenberg will see a huge adoption just because, well, it's built into WordPress and it comes on by default. And the biggest selling point here, I think, for users is going to be the fact that no other page builder can compete on speed. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen a comparison test, but the same layout built on Gutenberg versus Elementor is like three times faster. So there's no way wow. to, yeah. yeah, there's no way to to sell that to users. If you push on this pain point and you say, well, we're so much faster, here's the results you don't have to do a lot of work. They just pick from themselves. At three times loading speed, it's almost noticeable with the naked eye. You just hit refresh on your browser and it's, you see how fast, much faster it is. Um, I don't think Gutenberg is going to be as 
feature rich as Elementor. So I still think there's space there for people to go into other solutions, might not be Elementor into use, might be something else uh, that does this, but it's it started off as as a, as a um, content writing tool. It didn't start off as a page builder solution, uh, Gutenberg. So it's still lacking in many areas. It can do them, but not in the way you'd expect it to do it. Or so I think I think theme shops will have to choose a side if they're gonna stick with uh, the current big names out there, Elementor, Before Builder, and keep building products for these niches, hoping that they reinvest a lot of money into the market and try to steal a small percentage of um, usage for more percent. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Elementor is kind of going into self-hosted solution. Mm-hmm. So pretty much like if you want to compare it with Wix or Squarespace, it's a self-hosted solution. So for example, if they, they'd be able to steal like maybe 1% of the entire market WordPress has, then yeah, that, that could be a viable solution. But otherwise, I'd put my money on Gutenberg because there's no way to fight. The core. But yeah, the default solution. <laughs> it's, it's impossible yeah. to fight. Even though you might have a better offering, they're still going to beat you by being the default option that people get to use. And it's still going to be a broken experience when you write your content in Gutenberg and then you have to switch over to something else with a different UI and build your landing page. That's right. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. I appreciate those thoughts. We're coming up to the end of the show. So I want to do kind of a lightning round through your products. Um, and if you're building sites for the LMS industry, schools, businesses, the expert industry, whatever you're, or you're doing it yourself with WordPress, um, how could somebody who's building a learning site benefit from Download Monitor? And that's at download-monitor.com. What does it do? And by the well, way, I just, I just want to say course creators, schools, they have documents and download stuff that they, it's not all about just video lessons. So what could somebody do? Well, first, as the name says, they can monitor that downloads. So uh, I know you, you like this as well, but I like names that... Um, says what's in the box. Yes, yeah, <laughs> says what's in the box. Yeah, exactly. So it not only helps you monitor the way your downloads are performing so you can you 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 get a you get stats on your downloads what's your most popular most downloaded product and which one's performing the best where is it where's the traffic coming from uh, you can also set up different uh, access type rules so for example you'd be able to uh, let's say if a user has downloaded this thing three times you'd you want to allow it for four times in a month okay um it's normally a tool that's useful for people who are looking to lock downloads behind either uh, an email collection form an opt-in form uh twitter share facebook share that kind of stuff or actually like a lead magnet kind of thing sort of yeah it's a hybrid solution i mean i it, it was built like 10 years ago so uh different needs back then but it can do all of these things and it does them well so check that out, download-monitor.com. Um, you have a knowledge-based product, which is at kb-support.com. A knowledge base is super helpful. Like software companies get it. They end up like using knowledge base to, they find themselves answering the same questions over and over again, whether it's in pre-sales or in support. They're like, we need a knowledge base art Solution, item yeah. about that. 
it's not a blog post. It's not like a piece of a landing page. It's like a knowledge. It's its own unique type of content. Yeah. Uh, what can you say about um, your knowledge base tool? I think this is one of one of my favorite plugins out of our tool- toolbox. It's it's um, I love I love this plugin because it combines two other things. I haven't seen anyone else combine, which is help desk plus knowledge base at the same time, because most of the times questions users have, have already been answered and they're not able to search real time before submitting a question. They're not being able to search through your documentation before actually submitting a question. So our plugin solves this. Is this and like a, if it's a help desk and knowledge base, does it, um, does it like replace like a SaaS solution, like Help Scout, or is it integrate with something like Help Scout, or how how should somebody think about that? It replaces entirely Help Scout, and that's one of the main reasons why I like it because we have a flat flat pricing structure compared to Help Scouts, which is per seat. Trust and me, I know I got an expensive Help Scout bill every month. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> one of the reasons why I even acquired this plugin because we ran into the same problem uh, last year, and it's it's not. It's not like they're not worth it. It's just we you get to a point where paying like two thousand or three thousand dollars a year just to have access to help desk and knowledge base just doesn't make sense anymore. It's and you're not benefiting from that SEO traffic you could get from your knowledge base because people search for that on Google before uh, contacting you, and that traffic goes to help scouting instead of going to you, and you don't have access to look at that traffic and see what people are doing, how you could push them uh, to, to your products and get them to, to um, use them more and pay for your products, well, which is the end goal. That's awesome. Let's, every, um, well, most, most learning sites benefit from having some testimonials on there. And it's something, especially if you're not uh, like trained in marketing or whatever, you might not realize the power of social proof or just reviews and testimonials. And in our pre-chat, you mentioned something called a wall of, what'd you call it? A wall of fame. I'm like, as wall a marketer, fame, yeah. I'm like, that sounds good. And it's hard. I mean, to like co- collect and do all this stuff. So what is, what is a uh, strong testimonials do? And that's at strongtestimonials.com. Yeah. So good name, another good name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it allows you to collect testimonials on your website through a simple form. Right now we're working on adding video testimonial support. So uh, you send users to a landing page where you've already placed our share code. Uh, users get one of the two options, leave a text testimonial or a video testimonial. And after they've sent in their testimonial, it gets saved into your media library. So you can reuse this as you want. For example, a news case, uh, you could schedule this to go out to, I don't know, Buffly, let's say, and post this on Twitter and Facebook and basically syndicate it everywhere you want, set a, a condition on it so no reviews lower than four stars go out, basically. It, it you, happens can you from time to time. Like, can you put like moderation on there? Like, hey, I want to read stuff it, before it goes live on my it's site. It's built in. Yeah, it's yeah. built in. Yeah. It has it built in. So what, what's its biggest strength right now is that it allows you to pull in uh, reviews for your business from multiple places, such as Google My Business, Yelp, uh, TripAdvisor, 
uh, and even your WooCommerce store. So it pulls them in into our database and then it allows you to create what we call the wall of fame, where <laughs> yeah. you have all these testimonials mixed and matched together. So you can create an actual um, page that automatically loads even more testimonies as you scroll down. So it feels infinite and it just, it's it's your social proof, right? It's It's an automatic tool, almost an automatic tool that continuously enhances your um, wall of fame and it allows you to syndicate content out on your social networks. It's almost automatic. So it's it's a great way to, to build more credibility for your business. That's great. And, uh, and for those of you who are like kind of unsure about this, just look at Amazon. Like, do you ever read an Amazon review before you buy a product? Like the five stars, the one star? I mean, of course you do. This thing is like really important. Um, yeah. I, what, well, one more. What most people actually read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and what you want to see is like the five stars and the four stars and the one stars. Like that's what yeah. people really want to see. And then they can kind of gauge there and uh if it's authentic like if it's just pulling in obviously from TripAdvisor, or whatever you know it's the real deal which is yeah, great yeah. let's talk about cali forms real quick so that's k-a-l-i forms.com so this is a forms plugin right now which is built on top of react so it has it there's no other well I think Gravity Forms is now built on React as well. But at the time we did it, no one else did it. So it was like the fastest form plugin on the market, uh, both front-end and back-end. And I don't know if you know this, but a big problem in the WordPress space with form makers is that once you want to build a long form with a lot of conditionals, so think of 100 fields, yeah, most plugins slow down or crash entirely. Yeah, so they don't scale well. <laughs> so it'll scale well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it scales scales perfectly. And our next, the way we're 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 positioning Califorms going into the future, this is still a work in progress, is mostly um, a tool for marketers. It's going to be a way to help marketers understand what problems their users are facing at that that specific stage in their funnel. So it's. Ish. I think this is called um, profiling. This is called user profiling. So you can basically ask them questions based on the step they're at in your funnel. And then at the end, you can um, build those answers together, put them together, and you get a picture of who your ideal buyer is. And there you go again, opening up the feedback loop. This is how uh, WordPress companies build great products is they're like in touch so you're even yeah. building that methodology that you use into your tool, which is super cool. Yeah. Christian yeah. Raber, he's from WPChill.com. If you go to WPChill.com, you'll see all the products we mentioned today, which included download monitor, strong testimonials, KB support, Califorms, and WP Modula. Thanks for coming on the show, Christian. Thanks for sharing your WordPress story. It's uh, it's fun to connect with other uh people innovating in the WordPress space. And uh, I love where you're going. And I wanted to bring you on here because a lot of the people that listen to this or watch these videos on YouTube are looking for solution. Everything you're, you've mentioned here is like relevant to an LMS website. So I wanted to, to um, get people in front of great products like you have. So he's at wpchill.com. Any final words for the people? 
Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening through this episode. I don't know if you could tell. I think you could, but I had, I was, I, I, I'm nervous because this is my first podcast ever. So I'm sorry if, if that, that was super obvious. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do better on my next, next podcast, I promise. But uh, other than that, feel free to hit me up with any questions you might have. I'm active on Twitter. Uh, you can hit me up on wpchill.com. I think we have an email address there that's public. I answer those emails personally. So anytime you want, just reach out to me uh, either via our contact form on our website. So just ask for Christian and I'll step in and answer any questions you might have or feel free to Google me and you can find me easily. Awesome. Christian, thanks for coming on the show. We'll have to Thank do this Thank you so again much for time. having me. Yes, please. All right. Cheers, man. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.